do as much as we can. We're on page 20. Shockingly enough, it's not so shockingly, I love when these things happen. This is almost a direct continuation to the shear we had last night, the Parsha shear, which I, I told the Khabar last night that when I sent out the email, I entitled it, uh, what was the title? Can we make a high last? How long do highs last? So all my, <laughs> a bunch of my friends got very excited and started writing me emails ask, asking if it's going to be, if there's going to be a, what do you call it? Uh, not show and tell, but like, uh, you know, when, Tasting. Like like tachlis, like like maasit, avodah maasit, which means. Uh, like what research have you done? <laughs> or what research will you be showing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long do highs last? Is is this is a very interesting uh, piece. It's not. It's actually shockingly not that difficult today. Um, and I think that uh, like we like we began on Sunday to now get a little bit of more of a tachlis avodah level. Like what is he saying in terms of how to how to literally. Do this work before it's going to continue more of a practical, practical advice. Remember, on Sunday we tapped into this new dimension where he explains that someone that needs to use imagery in order to begin his process of spiritual thinking, he says, Yeshlo al smuch. He has who to rely upon. Who does he have? Remember who he has to rely upon? The Raivet. Remember the Rambam and the Raivet. The Rambam says, it is absolutely forbidden to have any type of former figure when you're trying to imagine spiritual thoughts and getting close to Hashem. And the Ravid says there, no, 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 it's okay. Why? Because the person says, look, I need this to start. And eventually, when, it, when, the, when, the, when the thoughts get deeper and deeper, that imagery dissolves and you don't even need it. But it's okay when it's a starting point. You want to share what you shared with me last night? Sure. I was diving, I think it was Mincha yesterday. So I was trying to use what we were learning here, and so I started trying to picture during Shon Esrei, Kisa HaKavod. <laughs> but what ended up happening was it kind of backfired, because the image that popped into my head was the chair from inside the Lincoln Memorial. So I was <laughs> imagining like a giant throne-like structure, and it totally, <laughs> it, it, it totally messed me up. I, I actually started, I, I laughed, I stopped, and now, right, now I laughed. No, no, no. Lincoln wasn't in the image. It was just a chair. It wasn't like, but uh, Mamash, I, I actually stopped when that's right. I opened my eyes. I laughed. I had to reset myself. And then I said, okay, forget it. I'm not trying to picture anything. And I continued. Good luck now. We're on Kipper. It was better this morning. I, I think we need to, we need to find uh, some description of what Kisya Kabbalah looked like and learn a little what bit What do you mean it looked like? How do we know what it looked oh, like? The concept, there must be something in Kabbalah that talks about, like, oh. it's made out of pomegranates with, uh, you know, I don't know, doves hanging Did off the Did you ever side. see Rabbi Nachman's chair? No. You'll see, you've seen it, Rishon? It's the only picture. You never went? No. I took, to, I took someone from here a few weeks ago. You know, in the breast of Yeshiva in Mearsharim, they have Rabbi Nachman's chair. It's behind the glass window. It's a crazy story how they, the chair he used to sit on and teach. It's a whole long operation, story of an operation that they, they, they chopped up the chair into hundreds of pieces and smuggled it in at a certain point, and then they restructured it. So that's a little bit of like a Malchus kind of feeling, but then that's a little bit petrifying too, because then you realize that, you know, then you're like, wait a second, a human being sat on that chair, we have to imagine something, but in terms of putting the awe in you, when I look at that chair, it's, a, it's, I remember I went into the yeshiva a few weeks ago, and you look, it's right there, whenever you walk into the yeshiva, it's right there, you go up to the third floor at the top in the base Madrish, go inside, hit a lefty, it's right there. They take it out, I think sometimes for brises, for a Kisei Leo. 
And uh, I remember I was about to take my phone out. My, I was about to take my computer out of my pocket and take a picture. And I didn't because I thought maybe some dude in here is going to have like a freak attack on me. So I didn't do it. And thank God I didn't do it because when I went outside in the hallway to do a little research on the story of how this chair was smuggled, some guy started freaking out of me in the hallway. You had a phone. Yeah. So, well, I didn't. But anyway, the imagery is a very, you know, it's a starting point. Again, it's a starting point. And today what the Rebbe is going to show us is like, wait a second. There are moments when you don't need any imagery in order to connect. What are those moments? And what can you learn from when you don't need those moments in order to show you afterwards when you're out of that zone? Because there are times where you don't need to really imagine something in order to drive you, in order to bring you some kind of like strong drive of, of Tveikus. Look here. Right, I'm not sure the PSS nobody had in mind is that we should, by sharing us with the right thought is that we should all come up with like some communal chair together. No, 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 individually. No, 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 individually. And it doesn't have to right, be a chair. Yeah, like if you need it. If you, yeah. if you need it. Yeah. But he's saying that the average Joe is, is going to need something to, be, to, to begin talk about spiritual thoughts, he's going to need some kind of thing to grab onto and from there... So he said, so he gave us instructions laterally, he said, when you do that, be conscious of the fact that you're doing this only in order to then move forward from it. That's not a... That's not a... The ends mean at all. That's just the starting point. It's just a matter to find the starting point. Second, I imagine it's like if you see Prince of Egypt as a child, so you're going to be stuck with the Moshe Ben looking a certain way, there's nothing to do about it. Well, that, that's, <laughs> it jumps in. Nachon, Nachon. I have, look, I, we always talk about this. I have imagery of little Midrash says whenever I think of Yaakov and Esav, their illustrations. Right, right. Till today, when I think of Esav, I see him like the way it's illustrated in that book. Now, Nachon, huh? Like Hamar. Right, like Hamar. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Isn't that like. Well, regarding human beings, it's not a problem because they actually were formed. No, but okay. regarding Hashem, so he's going to address this today. Yes. I, visualization is very important and powerful. You have a mind, you can be creative. It is, a, it is a powerful way to connect. I once asked a, uh, I once asked a, 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 a Kobol, like this question. And what, what question? About like, what, what to think about, what to visualize. Uh-huh. It was around the Dominant with the Midian and Ruben. He said, like, you should feel almost like you're, uh, like, like by the White House, the hop deal, and with, with, with a crowd of, of tens of thousands, like the greatest Sadiqim, and, and you're just, you're in this crowd, and you're, and you're screaming, and you're like, you're, you're trying to get close, and sometimes you're closer, and you're, you're, you're in this crowd no matter what, you're just kind of see the White House, and you know, the king's there. And, and like, I, for me, I found that to be, like, at the very least, I knew that I was part of this free crowd. And, and like, I could, like, okay, and just hear me, hey, you know, I, like, I'm here. I'm here with everyone mm-hmm. else, and I know you're kind of over there. And I said that, that I found that helpful. Interesting. Interesting. I don't think of the crowd at all. I just think of, yeah. of uh, actually, right. Right. no, no, when I'm a minion, though, when I'm a minion, <laughs> no, when I'm a minion, that's, I, that's like my, I'm cool with that because it's not, it's not about me. I'd rather it be about you and just kind of ride your coattails instead of having to stand up, you know, myself. <laughs> Not really, right? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit, really. Uh-huh. Meaning, meaning I, I, I'm, I, I buy into the fact that we're a lot more powerful 
as as uh, as a group and a collective. Right. And if someone else says, "Hey, look, I doubt it." Like Gusty, I'll buy your coattails. Like it's it's a bad train to ride. But if they wanted to, you <laughs> know, but they want to think that you know, it's fine. But like, right. I, but like for me, that's that's for me, that's the power of the group. In, right. The dominion, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, Otchet, page 20, Otchet. So the Rebbe says like this, the Piyasetzner, the Heilige Piyasetzner, who was killed by the Germans and, and is more alive than ever today, says like this, There are two things that are vital for us. They are essential for us, and we are both, and we are lacking in both departments. Hitrachvut v'shichlula the widening and development of the thought, vegam hit orerut vehitrakshut. And also we're lacking hit orerut, awakening, and hitrakshut. Hitrakshut means emotions, being emotional, being moved, being touched. We're, we're lacking in both departments. Now he says over here, be'emet shnehem shehem echadhem. The truth is, they're both one. This development of the mind, of the thought, that we've been speaking about for so long, really is a function of the, 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 the development and the awakening of emotions. It doesn't, you cannot be a non-emotional person and tap into the art of, of widening and developing the thought process. You can't be a non-emotional person, person and think that you could tap into any of this. So that, that's, I mean, that, to me that was more of like, a, of course, like a given, right? How else could you... You know, how, how else would you be able to do anything? Like the power of imagination. Okay, let's talk about this. Can, the, can someone develop his power of imagination without being an emotional person? You would think that he could when you, when you stop for a second and think about it. Why? Because imagining just means that it probably means that your intellect has to be developed, right? In order to widen imagination. What do you think? Do you have to be an emotional? Do you have to be in touch with your emotions in order to develop the power of imagination? Just to be a creative thinker. Right, a creative thinker. Like who was saying the other week in Sheer about inventors? I think Avi Miller. Like I don't know about like when I think of when I think of big inventors, I don't really associate them with as being deep spiritual thinkers. Right? Take anybody. Thomas My Edison. Old was huh? My old partner was the son of a serious inventor invented the gyro that keeps the rotor blades from ripping apart and oh he, wow that's that's like his line and not a, not a spiritually emotional person at all. <laughs> interesting it's very interesting very that's very interesting what he says here for the work that we're talking about it's impossible for their it's it's dependent on each other yeah, we're not talking about regular imagination here we're talking about spiritual correct spiritual correct correct therefore it can't it can't be without nachon why? Why is it really one? Look at the third line. Ki omed, bless you. Wait a second. The learning today. When someone is chas v'shalom in a tzara, when, when he's going through serious trouble and suffering, and he's standing before Hashem and he's davening from that place, He's not lacking any dimyon or machshava. He's able to right away, you know, go for it. He doesn't need anything to awaken him. He's there. 
האם בשעה שאיש ישראל מתלהב בימים נוראים מחשבה חסרה לו? When a yid is flying and he's becoming enthusiastic, and he has excitement in his davening, Roshani Yom Kippur, is he lacking מחשבה? Not at all. The, the holy kind of מחשבה, right? בשעה שמתלהב ומתעורר, הוא בלא שום מחשבה. In fact, he's saying no. When he's awakening and when he's passionate, he's awakening without any machshavas. Meaning, on, on, when you're in a pain, when you're in a place of a tough, a tough place, and you start davening, you don't have to, you don't need to develop and widen deep spiritual thoughts in order to connect. Why? You're already feeling emotional. You're feeling emotional. You're there already. You're, you are, something is awake. Even if you're in pain, something is awake. It led you to show. יש לו מחשבה, הוא חושב ומרגיש לפי מצבו ומצב התלהבותו. In accordance to where he's at, that's what he's feeling, that's where his thoughts are. ורואה שכיסא הכבוד נשתלשל אליו, and he sees that the throne of Hashem is, you know, השתלשלות means? השתלשל is like, a, it's like drawn down right before him. He doesn't have to work hard to imagine standing before God. He's in a time of pain. He's right there. And he's, it happens, it's like it's brought down to him. God's throne is like, he doesn't have to work hard to imagine it. It's that it's, it's like placed before him. He's standing before God with utter emotions. He's not praising a king who's very, very, very far and distant from him. He's talking to the God that's right before his eyes. To you, Hashem, is all the greatness and the strength in the world. And he also says, My Father, Father of mercy, do for me so and so. Do for me this, do for me this. What's the problem? This thought that seems to be so natural and so easy to tap into when he's in a time of tzara. He can't grasp it and do anything with it afterwards. Where did it go? He says there's two reasons for this. There's two reasons why the highs don't last. Now, over here in this context, when we're saying highs, we don't just mean when we're flying in shul because things are great. When you're broken and you're talking to Hashem in that place, for the neshama, that's a high. Okay? So we just redefined what high means. High means devekus. High means devekut. High means that it's there. The, the click is there. Whether, whether things are great or things are... In our, the truth is, unfortunately, in our lives, we feel the dveikut and that standing before God much more in times of pain than in times of simcha. When you're celebrating a child's birth or a son's bar mitzvah or a wedding, you're very, very happy. You don't even know how to be, you know, you're ecstatic. But it's not this level of relationship of standing before God right in front of you. Nachon? Yeah, yeah, he was in. Yeah, he was really there. He was there, absolutely. How do we generally? When do we generally tap into this place of? I don't have to imagine what God is like. I feel like right in front of me, when I'm when I'm crushed, when I'm crushed, and somehow 
I, I bring myself to stand, you know, to, to, to start talking to Hashem. Like he says, I don't have to imagine what it's like and to draw pictures of Kisei HaKavod Anishama. I'm right there. And Hashem's right in front of me. That's also a high, a certain high. That moment of being fully awoke, awake and, and passionate about the moment is a real, real moment. And for the Nishama, that's very, very high. But the Rebbe says here, it doesn't, that, that usually doesn't last either. Why not? I'm saying there's two reasons why it doesn't last. Aleph. Because really, where did it, come, where did it stem from, this hitlavut? From pain. So I think, I, was, I looked at the translation and I was learning this and trying to understand what he means over here. Could be possibly that he means that the, the itlavut that comes from pain is not meant to last. You don't want to try to find that place again. It did its job for the moment, but you don't want to have to trace your steps back to the feeling of anguish in order to reconnect again to Hashem. So it's almost like a bracha that those kind of neshama highs don't last because what would we, what would we cling to? Dep- we would cling to depression in order to feel connected to Hashem. That's how I'm seeing it. Does that make any sense? There's a lot of talk in a lot of places, uh, a lot of things about Amuna and Sfarim and all that stuff, that, that, that the reason that Hashem puts us through a lot of it is to cling to Him in that way. Nachon. The question is, you know... The question is, are you supposed to look for that in order to cling? Like, if things are okay, but you're not feeling so close to Hashem, so are you supposed to look for pain in order to connect no, to Hashem? No, obviously, if there's a different way to do it, right? but we've got to figure out what that is. That's what this Sefer is all about. But, but, but he's addressing what we feel. He's addressing the way things usually work. He's saying over here, Mitzahara Katnut, it was such a small... Compared to where a person could really be in terms of Tveikus, the, when it stems from a place of pain and tsara, tsara comes from the word tsar, narrowness. It's coming from a very small place. And what we're trying to talk about with development of the mind is widening. But it came from a narrowness. The, the pain, I think, is triggering almost like a feeling of desperation, which I guess when it's attached to the pain is, is not, not the, a long-lasting vehicle to stay connected. But, but what we are trying to do is always feel desperate for the connection. Right. Separated from the trigger that, that, that is pain. That makes sense? Ab- Listen. Who was at his, fu- his brother's funeral? Was any, were any of you there? Mm-hmm. Chai's brother's funeral? Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't remember when. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Like August. It was, it was, I've been to many, many funerals. That was the most devastating funeral for some reason. And I didn't even know his brother. But for whoever was there, it was the most devastating funeral. In fact, his sister broke everyone. She got up, she plays violin, and she couldn't even talk. So she took out her violin, and she gave a hesped on her violin. The violin was wailing, crying a river. The violin was... I know this sounds really poetic. It's not. If you were there, you'd understand exactly what I'm talking about. The violin, she was wailing it, crying her, crying her eyes out. Sometimes laser gets to that place, you should know. I've seen laser do that with the guitar a few times, where he's, he's crying through an instrument, mamash. 
it's a very, very high level to be, to mamish be one with the instrument that you're in. You really have to be connected to it. Anyway, his sister, mamish did it. She cried through the instrument. Now, was there a sense of dvekus in that? In that it, was, it was utter gruesome pain. But there was a real sense of people being connected to something. Okay? Now, thank God that that feeling did not continue. Because from that place is not how you want to find your place back to Hashem. Right? That came out from Min HaMetzar, from something so small. But what we say, Min HaMetzar Karasika Anani Bamerchavka. I call out through that pain only to be answered with, like Min HaMetzar Karatiya Anani Bamerchavya. You answer me with the widening. Remember, we learned that that's also the shape of the shofar. The shofar is the crying from a tiny place, and the answer is already from a place of width, being wide. That's why the shofar, the shofar resembles so much of the Jewish neshama. All it needs to do is find a little place to cry out to, and if it lets it, lets, if it lets a little crest, just as long as you let it out, something wide, more wide will be, will be answered on the other side. So the Rebbe says, one of the reasons why that moment of feeling close to Hashem in times of pain doesn't necessarily last us because it's coming from a small place of narrowness. We don't want to go back to that place in order to reawaken that spirit. But some people think that that's the only way. They say the only way I could imagine just being right in front of Hashem without having to work so hard at developing thoughts and widening them is only when I'm pushed and shoved into a corner. And they're completely convinced that that really is the only way that that part of me that feels that dveikut can, can, can find its way out in the world. The, I hate to say it, I think there's a part of that in, in all of us as well. Because we haven't, you know, moments of... Hopefully, we're, we're, hopefully we're, we're getting rid of that thought process and we're finding our chavas adas, our chavas amachshava through. I think sometimes here on Friday night... I, I don't feel like it's coming from a place of pain. I feel like it's coming from a place of achdus, of real love. I don't think anyone's flying in here in this room for any other reason because they're tasting the love that Bezrat Hashem exists in this room. But the point here is to show us why those neshama type of highs don't last. So the first thing we understood, that's echad. Bet. Kevan sheshuv b'machshava gufanit hu ba'lehavina, because you're trying to take something so out of body and make sense of it through what a a worldly a body a machshava gufanit. You're trying to take something that you experienced that wasn't through the intellect, and in order to make sense of it, in order to continue it, you're trying to access it through what through the only way you know how memory works, which is usually through your intellect. And he's saying, what are you doing? That's impossible. You can't reenact something that happened out of your body, out of your, the way you usually think, reenacted through a very olam hazeh type of way. It doesn't work like that. Does that make any sense? How would you explain that better? That's very important. Well, you can't force what? You can't force the feeling. You can't create the feeling in your mind. Right, why not? Feeling is feeling. But, but exactly. It's something that you feel. So uh-huh. you have to be put in that position to feel it again. You feel it. It's a feeling type of thought as, a, as opposed to a thought out type of thought. And you think that you could like reenact something. You reenact a, feel, a high. You can't reenact a high. 
the high, what you, what you used in order to reach the high, was not what you're using right now. You're using right now worldly dimensions of trying to reenact something. He says, what got you to that initial place was not what you're using right now. It's impossible. I always feel like that when it comes to music as well. That point, Tom, when, you, when it's there, when it's one, and then you listen back afterwards to try to reenact it for the next time, there's not a chance. But that's what he's saying over here. He's saying that's why those highs don't last. But what ends up happening is that you're not giving room to other highs, to new highs, because you still think that you reached some kind of pinnacle point, and the job now is to reenact that and bring that back. You're blocking off the, op- the opportunity for today, the option of today. So he's saying that's the second reason, is that it's impossible. When that, when that nigun was going, when it happened to me, happened to me once on Sunday night where I was, something was on, I was trying to go back to it, and I realized, you don't go back, you only go, you go forward. You don't try to go back to what you just said. You have to go, you have to let go of it and move on forward. But that's what he's saying over here. Again, keban sheshuv b'machshava gufanit avina. You're trying to understand what you experienced through a machshava gufanit, through a physical thought process, through the, through the mind and the intellect. U'b'machshava gufanit zo, but when you're working through the body and the way the body normally understands and comprehends things, you can only do that through a forming of an image again. But the guy that's crying before God when he's mamish in pain, he's not using any form or imagery in order to get him there. He's just there. So you're, what you're trying to use to get you there is never going to get you back. It's a whole Torah here about letting go, you know. This whole teaching is mamish about the art of, let, of letting go. There's a song by Rabbi David Zeller, who many of us uh, know him from. He passed away already eight, nine years ago here in Efrat. I think it's going to be ten years even. Very close to him. He has a song called Let Go. His voice was a very transcendental voice where it, take, it took you to that place of letting go. But all, tor- all forms of therapy are focusing on you know, you can't really change what happened. All you, all your, the only choice you have right now is to choose to let something go. But the mind doesn't believe that you could ever do it. It's true. Through the mind, you can't let go of anything. But through the feeling, through this place that we're trying to access, it's the easiest thing in the world to let go. But through the way, we're, through the way we usually access our emotions and our thoughts, you're right, it's impossible. So here the Rebbe is saying, exactly, this is two reasons why these type of moments of dveikus, of itlavu, don't last. One is because when it comes from a place of pain and narrowness, you, we don't want to go back to that place in order to reenact a high. And two, he's saying over here, because it's impossible to reenact a high, a real, a real, real spiritual high. It's impossible. Call it just we're going to do these, this next little tiny thing. Then we'll, we'll continue on Sunday this time. Call it rakshut vihitlavut a Israeli min hitgalut hanefesh chutz migufahi. Any one do word for word. Call it rakshut. Any type of uh, what's that? Feeling, yeah, yeah, excitement is a better word. Ve'itlavut, ha'israeli. Any type of real Yiddish or Jewish excitement and passion that's aroused from the revelation of the soul. 
okay? From Hidgalut HaNefesh, it's the soul revealing itself. All of those, Chutz Migufahi, they are coming from outside the body. What does that mean, outside the body? Not from a physical experience. Not for, it's not emotional. coming from a physical experience. Not even, not only emotional, it's coming from the nefesh, the expression of the nefesh. And this is what he says. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, she's in that. Soul, everything, everything. She should have a refuah shlema. She's, you know, absolutely. There, you know, That's what you just said. The revelation of the soul, the revelation of the nefesh, which is manifested through the expression and the excitement of a yid, this, these, are, these are not things that are within the realm of the body. Why are you toiling for nothing to try to understand these things that are happening, out, that are happening outside the body through the prism of the body? It's, a rel- it's, it's pointless. It'll never work. Again, going back to the analogy of music, you could study tapes. You know, you could study the gig afterwards. You could, you could study that moment of, of climax when it was one, when the rhythm was there, when it was flowing. If you try to do that the next gig, you not only are doomed for failure, you're almost killing the moment that you had. So this whole thing is, is almost telling us, don't, don't look back at our past experiences and the way we were able to connect in the past or with our images. We're not trying to imagine something that we've seen or have been described in the past. We, we need to completely ignore what's behind us and just find a new way to move forward and, and connect because anytime we're looking back, we're just reaching for something that we're never going to be able to fully grab. Well, he's saying onto. it's impossible to, to, when you're trying to learn from the past with this stuff, it's impossible for it to make sense to you. It's, you know, we're trying to always make sense in our minds for things to just make sense to us in order to come. And he's saying this stuff, it's not supposed to make sense to you. You know, these spiritual highs that you have, whenever you, it's not, that's not the point of it. So I guess in a certain sense, if you're looking back is for the purpose of trying to reenact, you're doomed for failure. And you'll be stuck in this place of why isn't it working this time? When really what you've done is you've, you've shut the, you know, you've turned that, you've turned off the option for how beautiful now can be. So, so far he's telling us why these highs don't last. Okay, so we're still in that place of why it doesn't last and why it's not meant to last, but we're going to be now, now that we know why that's like this, now we could then continue forth and say, well, how does it? How, forget about lasting. We realize now it's not about lasting. You don't want to hide to last. You want it to be always renewed. So now what we're going to be focusing on in the next point is what's the tachlis avoda of this chavura. So we know what doesn't work. Now what are we supposed to do b'fayal to make sure that we, we have healthy, healthy awakenings and healthy relationship with our mind. And again, that, that, that young guy that keeps on coming, showing up here is saying, you know, he's in, he's in our minds even right now saying, is this, what are you even, what are you bothering over here? You're going to drive yourself crazy. But hopefully that, that voice is hushing out a little bit. It's been getting more and more quiet as we see a path to tachlis avodah ma'asit, to practical work in order to really become people of conscious... What, what, was, the, what was the name of the book in English? Mindfulness. Conscious community, forming a conscious community, yeah, for purifying our mindfulness. Okay, we'll continue Thursday morning with Hasidus and the Parsha.